<laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Human Derek Podcast. This is your host, Derek LaCrone. I don't think that I've ever done that before. That felt kind of weird. I'm probably not going to do it again. Um, maybe you don't know my name, though, because I haven't really announced it. It'd be kind of weird to feel like if you click the little link that says, you know, the Human Derek Podcast, there's just probably a high probability that one of the voices you hear is someone named Derek. So I'm going to go with that. I'm going to trust that we can we can all assume that that's implied in the name of the actual podcast. Uh, today's guest is a super cool guy. I'm really excited to talk a little bit about what we talk about as a preview. And before I do that, you know what we got to do. We got to talk about Guadalupe Roastery Coffee. I feel like at this point, uh, every listener that drinks coffee is probably drinking Guadalupe Roastery. Um I know some are for sure because I get the Instagram messages. I get the text messages. How do you guys get my number anyways? That's a story for another day. But uh, the LinkedIn message, the Twitter message, the the all the different messages, mostly Instagram seems to be like the most active in terms of, you know, tagging, check out my coffee. That's really cool. So super happy to hear people are supporting Guadalupe Coffee Roastery because of what they stand for. Um, just truly beautiful people on a beautiful mission to bring beautiful beans. I said beautiful three times in three sentences. Check it out. Uh, it's a really great coffee company. So thanks Guadalupe Coffee, Coffee, Guadalupe Coffee Roastery for supporting the podcast. You can use my name, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, to get 10% off your order, your subscription, your whatever. Uh, not... Uh, I've probably asked him a couple times, but I don't think maybe I haven't asked him if the discount code applies to everything. You know, they're constantly updating and, and changing and adding new things, taking things off. So um, it works on some things. Try it out. D-E-R-E-K, 10% off Guadalupe Roastery, super delicious coffee. Today's guest is a very special bean not a bean, not a coffee bean, a bean. He's a human being. His name is Vic Patel. He's based out of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan in Canada. Canada is such a fascinating country. For the longest time, um, I really did just think like, oh, it's, you know, it's like America, but it's colder and it's probably really the same because most Canadians I met are just you know, seem very similar. I didn't really see a lot of uh, differences in terms of like personality. Uh, and I have for close to the last year, maybe about a year now, I've been working very closely with a lot of Canadians and my curiosity, I mean, it's turned, been reading Canadian history, um, really just learning some fascinating things. And th there are significant very, very, very significant, actually, cultural differences between uh, the United States and Canada. And I have the utmost respect for every single Canadian that lives there for just the climate alone in terms of um, how intense it is. But we, we talk a little bit about that, too, at the beginning of the podcast. So Vic Patel is just an all-around great guy. He is a, a publisher for a company called Best Version Media. Um, he is a, a very... Um, just a warm spirit. I, I believe you'll see that as you listen to him talk and uh, just had a great time talking with him. I, I'm sure you're going to um, get to see that as you listen to Vic. So here's today's episode. Have fun. 
See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. <laughs> it was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Derrick Podcast. So creepy. We've entered the matrix. Well, hey, uh, what's up, Vic? You can hear me all right? I can hear you all right. Can you hear me okay? You sound great, man. Uh, it's fun awesome. to have you here and, and doing this. And uh, it's kind of neat in a sense that, well, we get to work together. So I feel like I know you pretty well, but um, we'll, you have so much cool stuff happening in life. And uh, why don't you go ahead and just take a, take a minute to introduce yourself? Good morning or good afternoon, wherever you are. I'm I'm Vic Patel, or you can call me Bhavik Patel as well. And uh, I work with Derek uh, at this awesome, awesome company uh, called Best Version Media. And he is my division manager. Obviously, he's an amazing person to work with, has helped me guide through the process of getting this one magazine in print, which uh, our community in Saskatoon is super excited to have starting up in July, August. So, yeah. I used to be a restaurant manager at McDonald's and uh, last year during COVID, I left my job, which was not the most smartest move ever, but uh, did it anyway. And uh, it led me to uh, several different roles, being uh, one being a manager at restaurant uh, of McDonald's and then being a kickboxing instructor. And then finally uh, starting up my own marketing firm and doing some freelancing to now working at, at Best Version Media as a publisher. So that's a little bit about me right there. Dude, I think that's that's so cool in terms of the background. And one of the things, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff we've talked about. So it's 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 fantastic. Like I'm so excited for for different things um, for us to dive into and uh and to really just like peel back the layers. You, let's let's start with McDonald's, really, because you've shared some fascinating things with me about the leadership program at, at McDonald's. And I know that getting to work with a, a variety of people all over the world, or even just how sometimes we perceive different things. I've heard in, in California, we have this In-N-Out Burger joint. It's actually growing all over the US and it is regularly referred to for its, its management leadership program, very fast paced developing people. You've shared some things with me that that I believe are are really high level leadership principles that you acquired from McDonald's. Would you tell me more about that? Definitely. Uh, I started at McDonald's just as a part time crew person, and uh, I believe it was 2014, 2015 ish, and uh, I didn't really know that it was going to be my career for next half a decade, but. Uh, I actually graduated back in 2015 from uh, a program called Electronic Systems Engineering Technology, kind of a long name. It's called ESET, combined it with some electronic technician program and then graduated finally, tried to find a field job, but couldn't find one. And McDonald's offered me a full-time spot, so I took it. And uh, then I was like, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm actually liking working with people a lot more than uh, an idea of working just a fixed nine to five shift where you go and meet only certain number of people. I wanted to meet as many people as possible, also take me outside of uh, my comfort zone. So started doing that. And uh, 
they offered me a full-time spot, first of all, in summer. And uh, I took it. And then uh, my restaurant manager approached me and, th- and he was like, hey, you want to become a manager? I was like, sure, why not? I'll do it. But uh, one thing uh, that I was aware of is a lot of people, in fact, 85% of the people who leave the job was because of their direct man- management. So didn't want it to be one of those kind of manager. And I never thought that I could be a manager, but I decided to try it out. And in doing so, I happened to try out all the different spots in between that being a kitchen person, the person who maintains the restaurant by doing programming for the equipments, uh, cleaning grills, doing dishes, and even like managing the front staff and drive-through staff. So that was the beginning of that. And then I would say I made certain moves, which was the best for me. Uh, for example, the new restaurant just opened up two years down the line. I think one year down the line. And uh, I just asked for a transfer because I knew that uh, in order to grow, you have to accept the change in your life. And I have grew to, I've grown to like that restaurant very much. And I saw that I was getting much more comfortable there. So I wanted to push myself and go into a different environment. Of course, I knew a couple of people there, but wanted to take on a new challenge and help them start a new restaurant. And I uh, got promoted to a second assistant manager there around six months down the line. And it was funny story. It was between me and this one other guy and uh, uh, my restaurant manager, my first assistant, we had two first assistants and they both liked us. Uh, they all liked us both, but uh, it was funny story. They told me about, they actually went for a dinner and this dinner was just uh on the day where all the assistant managers are taken out for a trip. Now that trip could be anything like, you know, a paint night or you can go for a laser tag and whatnot. So they went for a dinner and then uh, all three of them wrote one name down in the chat to select which one will be promoted today as an assistant manager. Funny story, they all wrote my name. So I was like, hey, that's wonderful. And uh, they, uh, we had a old operation manager there and she actually said, hey, you know what? We had this paint night going on. Do you want to join us? It's exclusive for assistant manager. So I didn't got her point at first, but she told me indirectly that I did got promoted. And I was like, cool, I'll, I'll be there. And uh, it was exciting. And that was, by the way, the only paint night I've ever been. I'm not that great at painting stuff. I have friends and uh, some of the family members who are good at that. But yeah, I'm not. And that was a story behind being the second assistant manager worked there. And then finally, uh, there came a point where they asked me to be transferred to a different restaurant. And uh, I had, again, grew into liking this role of being a second assistant and uh, be a second assistant manager for that restaurant. And uh, people were like, you know, not so happy that I was leaving. And obviously, that's the case when you have worked with somebody for like, you know, eight hours long for literally five days a week. So people get uh, attached with you. But uh, yeah, finally decided to take that leap of faith again and then got transferred to a different restaurant. And uh, before I got transferred, I promised those people that if I do come back, I'll come back as a restaurant manager. I won't come back as an assistant manager. So I got transferred to a different restaurant, got promoted again as a first assistant manager, worked there for eight months, and then got transferred back to the same restaurant. And I got promoted there as a restaurant manager. So that was kind of a neat story. And McDonald's, a lot of people... I think that it's it's only the burger flipping job, but it's a lot more than that. It's a people's business. And uh, behind the scene, you can, uh, there are like different systems you would not believe. And uh, my knowledge of the system grew as I grew, as I went through the different stages of 
those roles as a manager and eventually becoming the general manager of the restaurant at one point, even helping out other restaurant managers who were on holidays. So yeah, it, it was it was a good experience and uh, never knew that uh, taking this route of uh, management could teach me so much about not only just being a good leader, but also be a good person as a whole. That's uh, being a good person. Well, you said so many things there. That was freaking awesome. Congratulations on your your success in terms of continued improvement, development. When I hear someone talk about you know systems, I immediately go, "Yes, there are there are systems." I, I oftentimes think of business, or um, like one of my favorite analogies is. If anybody ever played that, and this probably applies to most any video games, but like Super Mario Brothers back in the 80s, you you had you know different levels, level one, level two. And when you got good at level one, you realized it was just kind of a pattern or a system, and that would help you get to level two faster. And then you had to work through that a little bit in level three and four. And there's even parts of the game where once you figure out how to bypass something, you can skip some levels and jump further ahead. But it really is this like technique or the system to be successful at it. And that, that grows you when you said a half a decade, like, Oh, you know, I didn't think I'd worked there for half a decade. I, I kind of chuckled a little bit because how, how old are you? You're uh, 26, 26, man, yeah. 26 to get that experience. And I, I think of numbers and, and revenue when it comes to managing a system or working with people and, and you, you put some numbers out there. I don't, I don't know if you're, are you allowed to share sort of what, what kind of volume in terms of revenue a, a restaurant like the one you're working with um, did or does? Yeah, definitely. So uh, volume-wise, there are restaurants, uh, I'll give you the whole range, there are restaurant who does uh, as little as like, you know, somewhere between 800000 to $1.2 million a year in sales in their restaurants who does upwards of six, seven, eight thousand, eight, six, seven, eight million dollars a year in volume. And then there are another restaurant as well, which are in 18, 19, and uh, I think one of the biggest restaurants in uh, in the world for McDonald's was at this one place. I forgot uh, that they did, and they they have like thirty tills at the front. So you know how when you go inside inside a restaurant, there are one or two or three uh, service station where they take your order. There are thirty of them, and they do uh, upwards of thirty to forty million uh, in a year. Or so, and then McDonald's has a different uh, history as well. They had a big cruise ship as well where they did uh, in a one day, it was a very like around $900,000 worth of sales and maybe even over a million. So there are different ways, but the city that I'm wor- I work in, which is Saskatoon, it's not the biggest city. It is the biggest city in, in our province, but it's not the biggest compared to whole Canada. Uh, we have an average sales volume between 1.2, 1.5 up to 6.5, 7 million. So those are the volumes of restaurants that I worked with. That's that's no small feat for a, a business or an individual location to be putting out, you know, a million, a million and a half. That's huge. And, and you know, being in Canada, America is pretty well known across the world. You know, Hollywood has done a good job of of that, of saying, here's the American dream, the American lifestyle. Here's different versions of different stories of what it's like to come into America from a different country and, and build, you know, your American, your version of the American dream for people. That's essentially like, we're just well known for that. Um, I mean, reading this book called Canada by Mike Myers. Uh, and, 
you know, he talked, it really made me think because he talks a bit about how what's not really known in the world is the Canadian dream or the what Canadian histories even look like. I mean, I was doing some research into in terms of the government and the structure and independence and your, you know, Canadian versions of, of some of these rules and regulations and, and principles, it's it's fairly young. It's not a there's not a 500 year history of here's how our, our government structure has been. And um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your experience in terms of, you know, why you decided to move to Canada, what it's um, been like for you uh, growing into the area, learning about the community. Please, uh, please share. No, definitely. Uh, well, first of all, coming here to Canada was not my decision. It was my dad's and my uncle's decision. So uh, funny story, I actually opted in as uh, uh, one of the engineering program back home in India. I was going to be the electrical engineer and graduate there and get a job there. So I was in my first year. I think I was around middle of the first year and I had to write the examinations. And that's when they announced that, hey, by the way, you're going to Canada. I was like, okay. So uh, first year I didn't, ha I had lots of friends, but I didn't, I was not too much involved with engineering there, but uh, yeah, uh, coming to Canada and coming here alone was quite a bit of experience. I came here when I was 19 years of age. So that's what seven, eight years ago. And uh, uh, never, I'd never seen snow in my life before. And uh, coming to this cold, cold province of Saskatchewan was uh most people would say it was not the best bet to start your journey in Canada with, but uh, well, I came here, my uncle received me in Calgary. He drove me to Saskatoon in uh, August of 2013. And then I've been here ever since. I went back to Calgary a couple of times over Christmas break just to visit him. And I went back home one time in 2017 when my sister got married. But uh, yeah, I've been here for the most part and uh, wow, if I talk about my experience here, it's been, uh, whew, I cannot uh, wrap around any words uh, to describe that experience because it's been like a combination of bunch of highs, bunch of lows, finding out a lot of things. And one thing in common that I have found is the people and the culture here is very accepting of who you are and very helpful in nature. So uh, I was that kind of a kid who would not like, you know, shut up. I used to, used to talk a lot back home. And then when I came here, I went back into my shell and I was really shy at first. That was one of the reasons why my friend suggested that I go work at McDonald's. And uh, there were a couple of times, you know, uh, seeing the snow for the first time and then coming to a weather, which is, which goes as low as negative 50. And in India, we go as high as positive 50. So it was a 90 degree shift in weather. And, uh, it, 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 it was a good experience. There was this one time I remember, uh, I was not aware of exactly how the stat holiday works here because I didn't have to deal with any of that back home, back home. If I had a holiday, I had a holiday. I was happy about it. I didn't have to worry about transportation, stuff like that. And, uh, being here as a student and, uh, working with stat holidays, I used to take buses a lot. So this one Sunday, I actually, uh, took one bus downtown and had to go back on east side of the city. And uh, because it was dead, there was no cab. And I ended up waiting there for a good hour, hour and a half and had a frostbite in my fingers. And uh, eventually, like, you know, I had to dial a cab uh, uh, on my phone with my nose and I and I got a cab. And that was a bit of a funny experience. But uh, it just goes to show that uh, 
as welcoming as this uh, place can be, you have to be prepared. Uh, so those kind of experiences actually led me to understand that how important the preparation is. And uh, uh, after that point, uh, I, I, I had to make sure that when the winter comes, I am at least prepared. But there was a big shift for me, big change for me coming from a warmer climate to a very colder climate. And then uh, it was just uh, experiencing different things like a 19 year old would do. So, you know, going out a lot and having fun. But then uh, there comes a point where I got a little bit more disciplined and uh, started working on a lot of things, including myself, my health and my career. So there was a transition for me from just going and not like uh, uh, worrying too much about how I do at work, then like, you know, worrying a little bit about, hey, how I do it. And if I spend about eight hours a day here, then I might as well make it the best eight hours a day. So that was my approach going into it. And it's been a great experience so far in the last eight years of being here. You are uh, someone making the most of that time each day. It's it's pretty crazy. And I, you know, uh, when you say degrees too, I think, uh, uh, I understand it's in Celsius. I get to talk more about Celsius lately than I have in a while. And I, I lived in the Amazon in Brazil. Um, I think we may have, we may have talked about that before, but I think 44 degrees Celsius was probably around 115 or so Fahrenheit, something like that. That's yep. a little close to the conversion. So when you say, 50 degrees Celsius, like I'm automatically thinking that is a, that's not something I'd want to go outside and play basketball in. And then to have the total opposite where you literally get frostbite. That's, that's something I think a lot of Americans actually don't understand is just how extreme the weather in many parts of Canada gets to where sadly I, I read stories now, or I hear it from talking to people like someone went out to a, a bar or the grocery store or whatever at, at night and was not prepared for how cold it was and, and sadly and literally passes away, dies. And that is something that is, I don't want to say it's super common, but it's also not extremely rare to where it's not, not heard of. How having that experience where you're talking about frostbite on your fingers and you need to dial with your phone, how has that shifted how does that impact your, your lifestyle in terms of living there? Like what kinds of things do you find you have to do there that you may not need to do? And, you know, in other parts um, where it's not that extreme. Well, uh, going back to the same experience that day, when I went back home, uh, the first phone call that I dialed was uh, to my dad. And I told him that, Hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go back home. So it's funny that you asked that, but uh, there was a point, uh, of a big realization for me because uh, my dad reminded me of uh, this one instance when I was a kid. And he told me that, hey, you know what? Uh, I've seen you doing a lot of things, but I haven't seen you quit. So don't quit and stay there, right? And a funny story, when I was back in school around grade eight, uh, there is a sport called handball. So it's much a little bit smaller version of a football and then you have to shoot it. And so... uh, we had recesses back home in our school and in one bigger recess of one hour, I actually uh, went back uh, back to the bigger ground and the kids, the senior team was playing, the junior team was playing. And I just thought I, I'd try it out and see if I can be a goalkeeper. So uh, 
people are like, hey, don't try it because the speed that they shoot it with, it's really, really high. So people have literally broke their arms trying to stop the ball. And uh, I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. So uh, they tried all of their shooters and none of them could go. And then that's how I actually got selected in the team. And then we went to a provincial level. And uh, when I had to go there, it was the first time I had to leave home by myself. I've always been outside with my parents. And this was the first time I was going out. My dad said, no, you can't go. And uh, what I did the day off when I had to catch the train, I just packed my bag and I told my dad, hey, dad, I'm leaving. And uh, him being the person he is, he is like, hey, you know what? I, I knew you were not going to listen to me. Just uh, go ahead, take some money. And if you need more money or anything, I've talked to your instructor already and uh, he can give you more. So he already knew what I was going to do. And he reminded me of that experience of what I did. And he asked me not to quit. So that was the reason why I actually decided to stay here. Otherwise, two things were going to happen. Either I was going to go back home or I was going to move back to Calgary with my uncle, which uh, looking back, I think uh, is a good decision that I didn't make. So, yeah. Dude, that's awesome. It sounds like your dad is a, a huge influence and, a, and a really just a great, a great person. What kind of a, a role would you say that, because um, I'm privileged a little bit of information since we get to talk, but how would you describe your relationship with him now in terms of uh, either an influence or a motivator or just a, a driver in your life? Uh, a lot of time uh, growing up, uh, you know, uh, we have very orthodox way of thinking back home. So there are certain things that uh, me and my dad don't agree with. And in the past, I have always had uh, difficulty communicating things like that with him. But as we grew and I, as I as I spent more time here in Canada, gained more experience and became better at, I should I should say, more aware about life, he actually started to get it. So maybe it was me who got better at explaining it to him, or maybe it was just him who got better at understanding. But uh, there was a shift that happened. And I believe uh, the shift of like, you know, listening to your, uh, listening to your kid as a child to your, versus listening to your kid as a man, that happened for him. And for that reason, he respect me a lot more now when I uh, present to him something, an idea that, potentially he might not agree with and I'm able to talk with him through all of that. And most of the time we can come to a common understanding. If not, then he stops talking to me and then I go talk to my mom. My mom talks to my dad and then they're okay. <laughs> that is, uh, that's, it's, it's pretty neat. I think uh, when you say, you know, maybe you got better at explaining and, and maybe he got better at understanding, it, it sounds to me like it, you know, there's maybe a combination of both of things. The more experience we get, especially with people, like one of the things I really admire about you is your ability. You know, even as you're describing the story at, at McDonald's where, you know, everybody put your name in the hat, like your ability to, to, I think it's listening. It's a combination of things that you do where people enjoy being around you. They can tell you're engaged, that you care and, and you you think through things, and those are all really powerful when it comes to one. Just I think being a good person, uh, but also when it comes to comes to business, and I, it sounds like you know that that probably shows with your dad as well. So I, I want to shift gears a, a little bit here. I'm thinking about a few things that you've shared and sort of already in, in what you're doing and sort of where I I. 
it's really fun watching you build your business because you, so you've been an employee, you've uh, freelance done some things on your own. And now you have this, what, what I really view as a partnership, you know, with best version media as the publisher role, you start off as an associate publisher, you're officially a publisher that is not uh, a small task by any means, man, it's a great accomplishment. What are some of the things that originally got you excited about forming that partnership and transitioning out of what you were doing? Well, honestly, growing into the culture of McDonald's, I'll, I'll talk about McDonald's a lot, but growing into the culture of McDonald's, it it taught us to like uh, how important it is to give back to the community. And I had literally no experience of that before I came here, right? So when I came here to Canada, uh, there was always something like I worked for Tim Hortons, I worked for McDonald's, I worked for like bunch of places, but they all had the concept and idea of giving back to the community and how important it is. So whenever you have a first of anything, you are going to remember that, ex- that experience for sometimes for the rest of your life. And uh, I do remember it that how important it is. And I will carry those values with me for the rest of my life. So always wanted to do, do something that not only helped me grow as a person, but also help other people that being either the, the whole community or the people that I work with. And um, I, the last year that I was working with McDonald's, uh, I saw that, you know, uh, potential for growth was uh, at, at the max. So I had reached the ceiling and then there was no potential. Otherwise, uh, other than if I buy my own McDonald's, then I can do that. But I was not exactly at a spot to do that. And uh, then growing into like, you know, I was working part-time at kickboxing place, as you mentioned, the transition of being the person who uh, like, you know, asked people to do something versus people uh, for the person who is actually being told what to do. So made that transition and I was comfortable doing that. And, and I realized that, you know, I have no problem working at any spot that I'm at and just continuously trying to improve myself. So that was that too. And uh, then uh, what I did was uh, because of how the whole situation worked out with uh, COVID, a uh, couple of places was actually offered me a full-time spot. Uh, couldn't honor it because obviously their recruitment process were stalling. And I understand that as a person who have been on the other side of the table where I have hired like, you know, I wouldn't say hundreds of people. I've hired close to 50 people or maybe more, maybe less, but around that area. So I understand what how the hiring process is like. So I understood that and then finally decided to do some freelancing. So with freelancing, uh, I knew that uh, if I wanted to go into marketing, uh, I cannot just go to a university right now, take a course. I had to be more practical about it. So uh, funny thing is, Working at McDonald's as a restaurant manager, I work for both corporation and franchise. And on an average restaurant, uh, McDonald's, one restaurant, McDonald's spends somewhere between twenty-five dollars to $50,000 a month on marketing. So that's uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, for uh, per year. And if you look at the bigger volume store, that can go into millions of dollars. So we have a whole marketing team at one spot in Regina and they handle all of that. And I was able to... I was able to, uh, like, I was a big guy about, I was a big numbers guy. So I like to break down things to the to the decimal. And then uh, with some research, I found out where each and every dollar was going. Maybe not exactly to the cent, but I, w- I had a pretty good idea where everything was doing. They do, uh, there, there is like um, 
digital billboard right outside the restaurant. It costs $200 per month. The flyers that go out, they cost around like a couple grand. Then you have big billboards. They they cost you a couple grand digital messages, mobile applications. So all of those got me really excited that, hey, uh, marketing is something and branding is something that influenced any organization a lot. Uh, And sometimes people don't pay uh, attention on it as much as they should. And uh, that got me excited and finally decided to look into a couple of different things. So I took this one challenge online called uh, One Funnel Away Challenge, where I built my own business. And then I was helping out a couple of specialists to design their own funnels or be better at their business by designing better websites, reducing call to action on their website so it's less confusing. Did that for a little while. And uh, I realized that, hey, you know what? Uh, This is helping me financially. However, that one part of helping more people and being in conversation with more people, expanding your network is not really happening. So this one evening, I was just looking at, uh, I believe it was ZipRecruiter. And then I clicked on Best Version Media. I looked at some details and it sounded interesting. Uh, And uh, I finally decided to apply for it and got a call from Doris here in Regina. And she's our hiring uh, manager. She's fantastic. And uh, yeah, so that was the process. And I came into BVM initially when I got to learn about the whole culture. Again, I realized that, hey, this has a whole thing to big thing to do with like giving back to the community. Not only that, helping local businesses, which uh, allows me to actually get in front of a lot of people, which I always wanted to do, and also give something to the community that is positive during this whole time of like, you know, negativity and bad news and stuff like that. So that's what got me excited to join BVM. Um, That's incredible, man. And it's to think about all of those things. Like I I often think of the publisher opportunity as a win, win, win. It's a, it's a win for the community. You're putting other people first. It's a win for the businesses that you work with. And then the third win is that that personal gain um, of running a business, a successful, like you said, positive, something that's putting great out there and reaping financial rewards as a result. And it's a, it's a pretty significant opportunity to, to do what you have done. I'm not, I'm not aged by us by, by any means. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty, when I started as a publisher, I started in 2015 I was, uh, how old was I? I was like 29, 30, somewhere around there. And uh, I guess, yeah, 30. And I was pretty young for a publisher. And I I see you at 26. And the amount of emotional management it takes to, to work with, you know, contracts of that size, revenue of that size to be, to be self-motivated because there's not a, uh, punch a clock, check in, go to this, you know, go to a store, go to a restaurant. Like you really have to have a high level of discipline. And then the emotional management of, of working through the process when maybe someone doesn't show up for a meeting or someone has a, a pretty hard inquiry because not everybody's as as nice and kind sometimes out there in the business world. They're in a hurry. They've got problems in their business and they're not trying to take it out on anybody, but it can come off kind of abrasive and to not take it personally. So there are so many factors that go into being a great publisher and doing the things that, that you've done. Um, that is pretty, it's pretty cool. What, what are, you started, I think 
in October, is that correct? Was it October? Yes. Last October year? of last year, yeah. October 2020. Um, not exactly the most prolific time to be starting a business in Canada. And uh, you've done you've done pretty well. Was there anything that you feel really shifted for you? Because you, like April, you had a, a massive sales. Um, and that's a, a pretty, I mean, it's it's something I, I can see you doing regularly, knowing you, but you just turned up the juices. You, you were kicking butt. That's all there is to it. Uh, what has changed for you from when you first started and saw the opportunity and and through developing, you're obviously a guy that wants to be great at things. I can hear it in your voice. You're telling stories like, I wanted to get better at this. I wanted to get better at that. Like that desire to continue to improve is one of my favorite things in life about people in general. What what has changed for you? What what have you gotten better at? What were some of those pain points of, of starting a business during this time? Um, yeah. Honestly, a big part of our job, which was to make phone calls and... Uh, I was just a little bit scared of what a response would be like when I make some dials. Uh, that being said, uh, you know, every day we have this uh, processes in place for the company that we work for called Best Version Media, which are great, I think. We have like, you know, uh, we daily uh, conference calls. We have like productivity coach working with publishers. We have great people. I can just make one phone call. I can talk to you. I can talk to Tim. Great people to talk with. So... The, what I saw, uh, the different thing was, you know, for me, uh, whenever somebody's trying to get better at things, there are three things. There is an action, there is inspiration, and there is motivation. No matter where you where you start from, you will go through the cycle. And then eventually, even though you're listening to the same messages over and over, over again, one person will say it in a different way that actually you just get it. And uh, that is what happened and not to say like, you know, other people haven't said this before, but this one phone call that was, uh, I believe it was ramp up call for publishers. I run by Kevin Orton. And that was like, you know, uh, I just thought that he was speaking to me and how he said, that, hey, you know what? I, I'm counting on you. I know you can do this. And then there was a switching point for me. And I told myself that, hey, you know what? Uh, it's, it's a do or die situation. Whenever, whenever I'm faced with like a do or die situation, I, I go all, all guns blazing and then I just go all out and try to do as best as I can. So that was a shift for me. And also to understand that, you know, I always wanted a tool. I always wanted a, a way to not only secure myself financially, but make a lot of impact in a lot of people's life, uh, starting with my, my family and then community. So I, I said to myself one night that, hey, you know what? This is exactly what you need. You have the tools. You have the way on how to do that while you're not doing it. So I just uh, said to myself that, hey, just keep doing it, what you're doing and take that action. Action will turn into inspiration. Inspiration will turn into motivation and you keep doing what you're doing and then you get better at it. So that's why I had that excellent month that I had and I'm hoping to do that again this month. <laughs> well, on that, um, for those, there are people you know, that are, are going to be listening to this. And so Kevin Orton is the vice president of sales for, for Best Version Media, this massive organization. He's a guy that um, I feel very fortunate to have known for the last like six years. And he's just influenced the way he is able to put things in perspective and 
Um, it's motivating listening to him talk sometimes just because he's like painting a very clear picture. I think that's a really important part of, of sales and business and, and many things in general is to be able to give simple, clear sort of guidance as the painted picture in someone's mind. When you're out there working with business owners and doing the things that you do in the, in the business and sales world, how often, how often do you think about something like that? Do you think about it never? Do you think about it regularly? Are you, are you kind of always painting a picture? Well, uh, one thing that I've learned is always going to any meeting with, uh, with a way that uh, you, you are going to get a sale out of it. So you are always expecting a sale. So that's one thing that has shifted for me. And uh, some of the things like, you know, whenever uh, discussing price or any other point, any other aspect of the product, which people are... Uh, People won't believe right away. For example, for us, uh, our magazine go to a particular community. They don't go to a whole city. Well, there is a reason for that. So whenever somebody goes like, hey, you know what? It only goes to this many houses. I'm not doing it. Then the reaction that you uh, that you give, uh, it's very important. So that particular thing, the way that you, I wouldn't say react, but the way that you respond to it, that is what has shifted for me. And uh Similar thing with like, you know, discussing price as well. Oh, that's how it, it is. It is per month. Then yes, that's how it is per month. So the smooth transition of like, you know, getting that objection or getting that sudden uh, their way, their perspective of why they should never do it and taking that and responding to that properly is what has made me realize that, hey, you know what? I, I can do this and I can do it, do this in a way that uh, my main perspective, my main goal is to make that shift in that perspective. Because before I sit down with a business owner, some of them has thought that, hey, print media is print media has been dead for 10 years. Some of them, uh, they understand it. Some of them are like, hey, you know what? This sounds great. And I've had no sales with any one of those. And I've had sales with all of those as well. So different scenario and you can get sales with different perspective. My main goal is to see if I can change and shift that perspective. So a lot of time, a big win for me is if I can uh, uh, make them remember what I talked about. And if, if not just that, then what kind of person I was? Because a lot of time what has happened was um, they haven't bought from me, but some of them has offered me a job. A lot of time what has happened was uh, some of them has not bought from me, but they are like, hey, you know what? I'm so glad that I sat down with you today. If you need anything, this is my business card. I just won't buy from you, but this is my business card. And then uh, those are the conversations I've had. And uh, it's it's interesting knowing that, you know, the power that you have to change people's perspective from not uh, knowing a lot about branding and marketing to then you educating them on what we are doing. And that's, that's the main point, right? We are educating them. And there's this one documentary that I saw, it's called The Greatest Movie Ever Sold. And uh, it, it's all about like, you know, uh, the process behind the scene about how like, you know, branding and sponsorship works. And um, one thing that I saw is like, you know, the fact that we have is we as a human being are displayed with six to 10,000 ads in a day. Now, that's a big number. And most of the advertisements that, that are in front of people are disruptive in nature. So they makes you stop what you're doing and then you have to look at the ad and then continue what you're doing. So your potential client is not going to make the best connection. This is where we come in. We have found a way to make it uh, non-disruptive very community-oriented and cordial. So when people make that connection and add one and one, when they remember you, they remember you for a long time. 
And and now if I get an objection like, well, you know, the print media is dead 10 years ago and they hang up the phone call, I call them right back up and I tell them, I totally agree with you and I understand how you feel. However, uh, if you can just look around yourself and uh, look at a couple of things, can you look at your phone? Is this branded? Yeah, Samsung. So something is printed there. What kind of car do you drive? Well, I drive uh, BMW. How do you know it is BMW? Well, it's printed on there. Uh, uh, where's your location? What's your address? Uh, do you have a printed name on your shop? Right. So all those are indication of uh, indication for them to realize that hey, print media is not dead, and it's it, it's never going to die. So that is what like you know sometimes you have to just shift the perspective of people and then show it to them that hey, this is what we are trying to say, and. What I've, what I've seen is my ability to do that now more often than before, because before I had it at the back of my mind and now I'm able to say it. And that is what has shifted for me. And that's really, that's really powerful in terms of... You know, some people try to like convince somebody or they get into a combat and start verbally sparring and try to prove someone wrong. And, and that happens... I am surprised at how often I see that happen. And the crazy part to me is that actually it sometimes works or uh, people can generate success. I, I personally think my blood pressure would be off the roof and I'd be running around like a crazy person if I tried to live like that, you know, in verbal jousting matches. But you you said a few things there in terms of how to work through that. Like you're just working to to shift their perspective. You also... you you call back. And these are things that in terms of development into a role of, of, of running a business, of being, you know, so influential in the community, meeting with the amount of, of people that have influence in the community that you meet with and you leave with a great impression. How have these things influenced or, or impacted the rest of your life? Well, uh, one thing going back to what you just said about like, you know, uh, people like doing an argument or how you handle those situation. Uh, I was listening to this one audio program and it says something in the lines of you only need one person to end an argument. And that's very, very true. Uh, going back to how it has impacted me and my life is um, being a restaurant manager at McDonald's. And then eventually we, uh, we like to say we graduated from McDonald's. Uh, in McDonald's world that once you leave McDonald's, you are, you are known to be graduated. So after graduating from McDonald's, uh, like, you know, similar things, I, I just wanted to uh, put myself in a position where I'm making a lot of connection. And uh, there was a scenario, I think I told you about this, I actually got offered another job as a sales manager for like a furniture store. And I put uh, Best Version Media and that job in comparison. And I saw that, you know, at one spot, I'm working this fixed shift, nine to five. And then I'm selling to fixed number of people. People are coming to me. There was a point again when I wanted to challenge myself that, hey, now I want to go to people and then sell it. And while doing so, make more connections. And if I look at like, you know, eight months ago, the amount of connections that I have in the city now is like, you know, something I could, ne could have never imagined just working at a furniture store back then. So that's one of the things as well that, you know, I always want to influence people and maybe eventually even like talk to a lot of people. Uh, obviously, if I can develop myself and be that person, I, I would love to talk to people. But uh, in order to do that and have a lot of influence and make that impact in the community, I think connections are a big part of it. And that is the reason why I think that Best Version Media not only uh, 
puts that particular publisher in a spot where that person has to grow in a lot of different ways, whether it is like, you know, sales skill, closing. We talk about, we talk a lot about closing, negotiation, persuasion. So it, I just saw like, you know, over a long period of time, this job will actually almost like a shape me and allow me to grow into those different aspects. And that's one of the reasons why, why I decided to stuck it out. And, uh, just like, you know, making those connections with different business owners in the city has been fantastic. And uh, I actually wanted to share one more experience that I had was, which was in 2019, uh, right in the paradigm, right in the shift change of me deciding to leave McDonald's eventually, uh, we, uh, me along with some other people, two more people were planning to open our own restaurant. And uh, I won't say the name of the franchise, but uh, it was... Uh, very popular among a lot of people here. And uh, it would have been like the third place in the city offering a straight competition to crispy chicken world and stuff. So it's not a burger. It's not a burger place direct competition, but it's a crispy chicken and stuff uh, direct competition. So it was a good market to enter. And uh, I put in a lot of hours behind that. We had developed a good business plan. We had selected the site, talked to the site manager, uh, arranged the finances, applied for all the licenses. There are freaking many licenses you need to actually apply for when you are starting a business. And then if the business, if, if the building is pre-built, then you need to tear it down and make it drive-through uh, compatible. So a lot of things that goes behind the scene. And I went through some of those processes and was really hopeful that we'll start a restaurant and how the last year played out, it didn't happen. So I just thought that uh, it was a blessing in disguise and uh, it, it was a good experience for me to like, you know, almost start a business and then then go and start my own marketing firm. So 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 that was a good experience. And uh, yeah, like at that point, had I had I known the amount of people that I know right now, I would have I would have had different life and different scenarios and maybe some things would have might be might might be a let, uh, less uh, less stressful and more easier than they were back then. So that's that's how important the connections are for me. Well, you do a really good job of connecting with people, and I I truly think it's because of how much you you genuinely care. You know, to me, that's one of the those success habits. Uh, we have a guy at Best Version Media named PJ Potter. And I remember him telling me, I was like nervous before a big speech in probably 2017 or something like that. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to speak before the CEO. Like, oh, I got to I gotta bring the heat. And uh, he, he always just puts things very simply. You know, it's like four words for that guy it has a ton of impact if you're paying attention. And he said, like, remove self and be on purpose. And it made sense because that was where most of my, my personal wins came from, came from is when I was kind of taking myself out of the equation and working really hard to help someone else, you know, get somewhere or see something or any of those things. And it, it seems like you're just doing a phenomenal job of, of understanding, like, as I take my marketing knowledge, you know, what I learned at McDonald's or my marketing uh, firm and and go and apply that and help other people see that most business owners, most small business owners have, have sadly not much, if any understanding of, of marketing, advertising, branding. And um, because of the world we live in now too, it's, it's easy to get, you know, everybody's trying to sell something. And so it's always, this is the end all be all the best product. And 
one of the things I, I like about your approach and and really just a, a great approach in general is um, you know you don't go out there and say don't do that don't do this just do my product it's it's like a if you're doing something that works great how do we do all of these things and you're just you're just truly trying to help people so when it comes to emotional management and uh, let's call it getting our head right sure. seems like seems like good phrase yeah uh, <laughs> uh, what do you do either during the day before the day starts after they just just in general what do you do to help keep your head in the place that it is when, when I talk to you because you're just you seem like a super optimistic, positive person. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Like, what's the secret to that? Well, honestly, uh, secret is uh, I've been a big person, not big, uh, big guy, big, uh, I would say, advocate of self-motivating yourself. And uh, it doesn't matter how many people you surround yourself with. Uh, if you don't take the actions that they are taking, eventually you're going to go like, you know, down a spiral and then you're going to end up in a place where you don't want to be. So um, even like looking at last, last, you know, six to eight years that I've been here, there has been spot where I have, I, I didn't have the best people around me, but uh, I always had me, right? So you always got yourself at the end of the day. And uh, what I do is I try to uh, set some processes in place. When you have, uh, I think Jordan Peterson's talk, talk about this. If you have some certain processes in place, then it will keep you from going insane because if you don't know what you're doing whole day, then your mind is going in every different direction and not really know where to focus on. So I try to do as best as I can. I'll, and I'll admit that sometime I slip and, uh, you know, do certain things, but uh, I start my day in the morning and just some stretching. And then uh, I actually go and sit in the sun right now. I can do that in winter. I cannot. So I try to get as much sun as I can and, uh, then right after that, I make myself a second cup of uh, green tea, and then I listen to the conference call. That is what I do to get my head right. And uh, uh, at the end of the day, I take my dogs for a walk. And then I try to do this at the night instead of like you know consuming social media or, or video format in YouTube's and whatnot. I try to read a book. And then uh, one of the things that that's been like great for me, and I think it's uh, almost like a therapy for me, which is cooking. I love cooking. And uh, it's funny that uh, this this topic has come up because in last three months, I've changed my diet from being like, you know, uh, eating chicken and all the meats to now being fully vegetarian. So now it's like, you know, the cravings are different and the way my body reacts to different food is different as well. And uh, yeah, it's been a good shift, but it's a combination of all of those things that keep my head right. And then uh, a healthy amount of time that I spend talking to my family. If it is too much, then it can affect me. If it's too little, it can also affect me. So certain amount of uh, talking to your loved ones for sure every week as well. And uh, then keeping yourself disciplined on certain things that you do. And, and you know, uh, a lot of time I feel unmotivated, but that that cycle of, you know, action, inspiration and motivation, that is what keeps me going. So a lot of time during the day, I feel like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. It happens sometimes. I'll be honest with you. And whether that might be after a client that had no show or, or a meeting that was not the uh, best meeting ever, or maybe a phone call that was not the best phone call, best cold call ever. And uh, uh, I just uh, 
remind myself of that loop, you know, action, inspiration, motivation, action, action, inspiration, motivation. So what I do is I keep taking actions. Once I keep taking action because of the matrix, the way they are designed, it helps in my favor. It, it actually works in my favor. It inspires me to do more things. Then I get motivated again. And then again, I, I try to surround myself my, my whole day with certain activities that are constant. I just do this every day. And that is what allows me to keep my head right. So I've heard a few things from you. One is, is earlier you mentioned knowing your numbers and I just heard you say metrics too, like metrics. I was, I've not been a numbers person most of my life. In fact, running away from numbers was my favorite thing to do. It took me like three years to pass an algebra class in high school because it was just like, I was so stubborn around not wanting to do that. I don't think it was three years, a little bit of exaggeration, but way longer than it should have, that's for sure, or could have taken. But uh, you, you've mentioned that and that, I think that it's one of my biggest lessons over the last several years is like having a simple, like, oh, X, Y, Z creates this, like a simple formula based on numbers um, that can get us to a certain spot, you know, with your, with, with a lot of the things you're, you're sharing, there's a, there's a few things there. What, I guess, what is something that's exciting for you based on, on what you're doing now? And, and where you'd like to be in the, the future. If, if you could, I'm going to backtrack a little bit, actually. There's a few different things. Like, how are you doing on time? <laughs> uh, well, we are good. I've actually booked off my uh, up until end of next hour. So you have plenty of time. Oh, cool. Then you know what? All right. So we've got a couple more things in that. Uh, there's starting your business when you did and, and also having your past experience with the business that didn't go the direction you you know originally planned on. If, if someone were to say, hey, Vic, uh, you know, I'd like to start a business right now. What's some of the advice that you would give them? Well, uh, first of all, I think that uh, making the decision of starting a business is a big decision and uh, you should uh, totally know what you are trying to get into. And uh, a lot of time, you know, people come to me with uh, different questions like, hey, can you um, advise me regarding this investment into, you know, Forex or getting into like, you know, cryptocurrency. So, uh, I told, I tell, uh, I tell them, Hey, you know what? I can give you the information and experiences that I had at the end of the day. It's your job to find out like what, what works best for you. So that's the first thing that I'll, I'll tell them. Another thing is like, you know, I'll tell them, uh, to, uh, devise a plan. So at McDonald's, we were good at making, uh, plan for like you know next six months, uh, two years and five years. So it was short-term, mid-term and long-term goals. So that's that's how I like to incorporate in uh, any business plan as well. So for example, somebody just uh, like, you know, wanting to, for example, open, uh, let's talk about a kickboxing studio, right? So if somebody wants to open a kickboxing studio, uh, don't think about what kind of bags you are going to get right now. Think about how you're going to start out, right? So uh, what size of studio you are going to read, going to need? What kind of uh, licenses you are going to apply for it, right? Uh, what are your member count? What are the maximum number of members that you'll need right now? So uh, think of the very basic things and uh, think about the timeline. Okay, and always, always, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger said this one time that I always give myself a deadline that I have to do things by. And I think that is super powerful. And that is what you can do for your short, midterm and long-term goal that you can set certain deadlines. And yes, it's great 
And it's actually fantastic if you hit those deadlines and beat those deadlines. But sometimes you might miss those, but you keep on track and you set another deadline right away so that you are like keeping yourself disciplined. So the first deadline for me in uh, my venture of opening my business was getting all the information, getting yourself uh, educated, like what's the market like? Because market data and education for any businesses that you're trying to enter is super important. Because you don't want to like, you know, work on all the aspect of like, you know, developing a business plan, renting a place, and then realize that market data is something that is not going to work in my favor for next, like, you know, seven, eight years, or maybe it will work for next four or five years, but it's not going to work for eight, ninth and 10th year. So that's what I try to do, uh, try to get as much market data. And, uh, and, and that, that's actually true for anything that you want to get into. Whenever you want to get into maybe uh, like in learning a new skill or maybe like, you know, developing a new business or like, you know, trying to cook or something, get as much information as you can and then try to like, you know, test it out and try to just do things. Because a lot of time what would happen is people get stuck at just this phase of devel- developing a business plan because they they think that it needs to be perfect. And uh, that is something that I learned the hard way at McDonald's because at McDonald's, we had something called a pre-shift. A pre-shift is just a, a piece of paper printed on both sides of things. And you have to uh, check the things that you need to run a smooth shift. When I say shift, it's an eight-hour period that you need to manage. So it includes like, you know, checking for the products. It includes checking for your staff. It includes checking for like, you know, any things that's happening in the restaurant, like any equipment is broken. What are you doing for it? Stuff like that. So whenever somebody wants to get into any sort of business or anything else, then I would say, I would say learn everything about it. And I think most of the people are super good about it because let's say, for example, you get all of a sudden, like, you know, you watch certain videos. Uh, other day we were talking about skiing, right? If you watch certain videos and uh, now you're super excited about skiing. So now what you're going to do is you're going to binge watch a lot of information about skiing because now you're super interested. That period usually, usually lasts for maybe a couple of weeks and then it dies down. So uh, that's what that's what I try to do. Like, you know, if, if you can be excited about your idea of opening a business right now, and you can be as excited uh, about that business three months from now, then that is something that you want to do. And so that's, that is what was uh, important for me to see because working at McDonald's, I always was working in that environment. So I, I always was excited for opening a business, for opening a restaurant. So that is the first stage. And then once you have the market data, you start laying out the plan. Then you lay out the plan. I, I suggest highly that you get the right help because if you're doing it by yourself, uh, it uh, you're more prone to making the mistakes and maybe do something that that will just delay your plan. So get the right help, get the right people because no matter how good you think you are at what you're doing, there's somewhere someone else uh, better out there or there's some more information that you can get and you can always get better. And uh, yeah, so hire, hire right people and then... Uh, get into like, you know, all the nooks and crannies of uh, what running of business will be like. So kickboxing studio, one of the things I actually was an instructor at kickboxing studio. So that's why I shared this example. People, when they enter kickboxing studio, first of all, like, you know, the great customer service, always greeting people by their name. So um, for me, remembering multiple names, like even 30, 50 names was not, not a big deal. I could remember that. Then, uh, like you know, once people want to practice kickboxing there, then you need to you need to have them sign a waiver. They need to understand what they are getting into, all of the things, and there are insurances in place, stuff like that. So 
the whole the whole gimmick. You need to know what you're going you're getting yourself into. Once you have a good plan for that, then as I said, like you know, uh, certain thing that comes in place is like you know demographics, the highways, stuff like that. Because a lot of that, and and how is your visibility like? How is your visibility right now? How is it going to be five years from now, ten years from now, fifteen years from now? Because areas are con- continuously developing. There might be no buildings right now, but in ten years there might be several. So that is what uh, those are the things that like you know you need to think of long term, and then uh, just uh, go ahead and start it, and then yeah. Just keep doing what you're doing. Well, and that's, and that, you know, th- that's really good advice in terms of having a plan and, and, and go and start it. You know, you said that you also said earlier when you first started talking about that, um, the concept of like not getting caught in perfectionism because so many people, you either, there's kind of like this loose cannon approach where there's like no plan winging it. And uh, every once in a while that works. Somehow I've seen some people be successful it usually creates these massive emotional roller coasters up and down or just not success or a little bit of early success. And then it dies off because you don't have a, a structure, a system for success. But then on the other hand, you can get so bogged down by planning in details that if you get caught up in trying to make things perfect, then you actually never get started. So there's sort of this, let's do the research. So let's do this. Maybe weave in what you're talking about with a deadline, like I'm going to do as much research as possible until this deadline, then I will launch. And then what happens is you figure out, okay, the business plan is working and, and working is, is not relative. You know, some people are like, oh yeah, it's working great. And I'm like, well, how are you measuring that? You know, what kind of results? Well, you know, it felt good. Well, that's not really a result. So let's, What's something that we can measure that's tangible, whether it's a you know actual revenue, new clients for your business, people referring, like there's very tangible numbers, simple numbers that you can say, okay, this business plan is is working. One of the the challenges I think too, when when people are becoming successful or the business plan is or or even is not working in a measurable way, is when do I pivot? When do I make a change? When do I make a shift to this plan? There's this old story, three feet from gold. And I know it was in a Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. I think he did a small piece of it. It's also its own book. And there's probably YouTube. There's probably a lot of content out there for three feet from gold. And the, the gist of it being this prospector, you know, bought all this equipment, did all this stuff, dig, 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 and then just gave up, you know, sells his equipment to whoever. These people come in and they like measure it, figure it out, a little extra planning, and they dig three feet further and strike gold. And so you have to, it, it's really challenging to, to know when or how to change a game plan or when not to dig three feet further. What are some things that you do um, either now or have done in the past or have thought about doing in the future to, to know when to make changes and when not to make changes? No, that's actually a great question. And uh, one thing that I would say is uh, making changes to uh, which goal? Because there are certain goals you want to do. There is a short-term, mid-term, and long-term goal. For example, uh, if my eventual long-term goal, which can be anything, if I want to uh, something like, you know, unspecific, like I want to make a certain amount of money or if I want to open this business, right? So that's the main goal. And that's that's something that you don't want to change, because if you change that, then you need to change all those other things that fall under that. 
then there are midterm goals, and then there are short-term goals. So usually uh, when when this uh, thing of like, you know, uh, the effect of people realizing that things are not moving further, they usually do that somewhere in between like, you know, achieving their short-term goal and then starting their midterm goal. So what, what, what I would suggest is like, you know, uh, talk about what you are trying to do as, as much as possible to as many people as possible. Because uh, on top of them uh, actually making you like, you know, holding you responsible for it, uh, they will actually like, you know, most of the time I have this whole thing that when I'm super dialed in into what I do, things just naturally start coming to me. So uh, a lot of time what has happened was when I'm doing certain things, for example, while I was developing a business plan for the last business venture I wanted to do, uh, I was completely lost with that. But then because I had talked to several people in the market, somebody reached out to me and then I had made one connection and that person helped me put together a business plan, which was a successful business plan. And then help, that helped us apply for the franchising rights. So a lot of time it has to do with like, you know, how many people you talk about, uh, uh, with, about your goal, talk with about your goal. And uh, sometimes people keep it very secret, which is fine. And uh, sometimes people tell everybody about it. So I think like, you know, uh, you don't want to be like, you know, just uh, for example, something like, you know, that, uh, that game that we call the donkey swing, you know, you, you tie your uh, eyes and then you have to swing a bat, right? So then you are just like shooting in the dark. But uh, when it comes to something like setting up goals, there are a certain indication that uh, either it's working or not working. It's very clear. Like for example, in our business, the short-term goal uh, is to like, you know, uh, well, set up appointments, make those dials, right? Long-term goals would be to sell uh, and close a deal. Right. So eventual goal is to close a deal. Well, what do you need to do that? Well, you need to set up enough appointments. If you, uh, how do you set enough appointments? Well, you have to make enough dials. Right. So now if you're stuck on the first stage that, hey, I'm not getting enough appointments and I don't know what to do, but you're clearly not making enough dials, then you know what to do. And the more people know about what you're doing, they can suggest you to do the right things. However, like uh, there are some uh, scenarios where, like, you know, we are talking and we are hearing things, but we are not listening. Mm. So uh, it happened to me when I was, when I came back, when I went back to that restaurant as a restaurant manager. And then, you know, first uh, couple of months, it was like gun blazing. I want to be the best in the city. In fact, the best in whole Canada and run the best, uh, like, you know, PNL, which is profit and loss statement. And, uh, like, you know, I did that. I actually make a record for whole Saskatchewan and uh, somebody else broke it in different province, which was uh, 37.58% for profit after controllables. And it was huge at that time. And uh, yeah, but just a metric there. But uh, what I was doing in the process was I was telling people a lot to do and I was hearing them. I was like hearing about like the feedback and stuff, but I was not listening. So what ended up happening was my whole team started to grow apart. People started like, you know, not liking me a lot, not liking each other. So then uh, this very wise person that actually uh, inspired me to become a manager in the world of McDonald's, he actually advised me that, hey, uh, what are you hearing about yourself in the restaurant? And then I would say certain things. And then he was like, okay, uh, that's interesting. But are you listening though? And then uh, that just like a light bulb just went in my head. And then I started to 
there was a point of my career when I was introduced to emotional intelligence. And then I started to use that a lot. So most of the time when you have, when you're working on certain things and uh, you're asking yourself whether, whether I should like, you know, completely change my direction or keep doing this, I would, I would, uh, the only suggestion that I could make with my experience and my knowledge is start listening more often than just hearing things. Because if you listen more and you look at the things around you, I think you will realize it will be quite clear to you. And uh, obviously, uh, you need to surround yourself with the great people in order to make sure what you're doing is the right thing. And yeah, keep doing what you have to do and listen more often than hearing things. One of my favorite kind of principles or whatever we like to call belief is that when you when you really listen to understand with with all of your energy and focus and you're really listening to someone to to understand like where they're coming from and what they mean that people will always tell you the truth i know it sounds kind of strange and it's almost a little utopian because you know dishonesty exists so it's not like people are dishonest but i i almost feel sometimes like you can you can hear most of us probably do this it's not like it's unique to me by any means but you can hear what's under the story when you're really, really listening. Um, like, uh, because we tell ourselves stories, you know, one of the stories I tell myself sometimes, and this is like a newer thing for me, because I was really good at not eating like sugar and stuff. But I convinced myself when I was grocery shopping recently, I was like, Oh, you know what, this is like a dairy free ice cream. That means it won't have as many calories, it won't be as heavy. And I'm, I'm sure that when I get this home, I will have a little bit here and a little bit there. No, that didn't happen. There's a little story that I told myself, right? So if I were, you know, if you were with me at the grocery store and I were telling you like, oh, here's that I'm kind of describing it and saying like, yeah, and making all these justifications or excuses or reasons, you'd probably be able to hear like, he's going to get home and eat that whole thing. He's not, he's just trying to convince himself. Yep. And so, but that takes listening. You know, you could be sitting there just going, yeah, 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 man, that sounds great. Ice cream. Sure. Uh-huh. But uh, when we truly listen, people will will tell us their truth. That also, it's, it helps us when you, earlier you're talking about perspective, giving people perspective, uh, or shifting thinking, helping someone learn. Like, you really have to be listening to someone in order to help shift that, shift that perspective. So... You've been, man, it's, it's really impressive what you have done, what you are doing and just thinking about what, what lies ahead for you in the current role and opportunity. Um, is there anything that you, you know, really wanted to discuss today or felt compelled to share that was exciting for you? Well, uh, there, there are several things, but I actually wanted to ask you about how your journey has been like uh, working for Best Version Media. And uh, one, uh, one question that I ask people, which is quite funny, is if you were not doing this, what else would you be doing? Mm. That's a really good question. So my journey, my journey in life has been uh, a bit, I don't know, it's been fun. It's been a wild ride, kind of a roller coaster. I'm sure that's true for many folks. Uh, I I picked it up kind of like you, actually, in a sense that I I was living in Brazil for a bit, and then uh, living in South Beach, and I had this 
sort of system and plan that I I built a, an English program in Brazil in the in the northern part of the Amazon. I was gonna it's gonna live in Miami half the year and live in Brazil half the year and do this sort of dual uh, living experience, you know, earning American money and kind of feeding it into the system. And then my, my grandma got sick and it pulled me. I felt very compelled to go and be close to her in, in California and, uh, and be there for her in a time of, of need. I love, love grandma. And so it was a big motivator for me. And I, when I went back, I was like, what am I going to do? And I, I actually still have, I think, this bookmark somewhere in a browser, like my browser from, you know, 2015. I still have all those bookmarks. And uh, thank you, Apple, for that. Apple has some beautiful traits in it. Uh, and I Googled, you know, like, okay, I've been through college. I've done through all this, you know, stuff. I worked with um, celebrity athletes and wealth management and really felt like a strong desire for independence. And I, I just remember Googling, like, you know, what do people do when they're problem solving? So I was literally just trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do next in life? And it just sort of popped up, like, consultant. Okay. And, and now, as much as I know about the business world and the term consultant and all the different things that can mean, and people don't have a lot of experience to do it, it can still be great at it. So it's not the downplay thing. But it's just sort of, it's a very interesting term um, by definition now. But I, and then, so I pulled up this article and I had to be Forbes or entrepreneur.com, uh, entrepreneur.com is a magazine. And it, it was like 10 steps to be a consultant or seven steps to be a consultant. And one thing I'm, I'm very fortunate for, because I don't know when this happened in life. There's a lot of things I've not been good at following directions on. I remember my grandpa, like telling me to do some stuff with some tools and I wouldn't read the directions and I'm just kind of figuring out on my own and didn't always go great. If I'd probably just read the directions all the way through and then followed them, it would have went well. But for whatever reason, at this time, I have this article and it says, you know, do X, Y, Z. And so I, I wrote my little, I found like a, how to write a business plan. It was like, oh, make a very simple one page business plan. So I basically used this article about how to be a consultant. And then this other, you know, how to write a one page business plan and came up with the steps. And it was, it was basically like, interview someone with questions and figure out what their problems are, uh, offer a solution for a price and you're a consultant. Like that's how I remember it. It was, you know, seven years ago. So I just did that. I went on, I made up my little thing and I went on Craigslist and, and there was a section where people were looking to hire folks. And I just thought, well, I'm like, nobody's looking to hire a consultant, but they were looking to hire employees or managers or someone to help. And I, I found a business. I was looking for an employee and I just called her and I said, Hey, I, I saw your posting and you're looking for employees. I said, I, I, I'm not an employer, not looking for a job, but I do believe I, I could help. Um, you know, what do you think about getting coffee on Saturday or whatever Friday, Saturday, my, my schedule was pretty open at this point. Uh, so I, I met with her on Saturday. All I really did, you know, tying this into the listening thing is before I went the day before I prepared and I thought about their business, didn't know much about their business. It was like horse ranch, all this other stuff. Um, but I thought about her post and I just thought, what are some really great questions I could ask that would help me figure out what her biggest problems are, where I could offer my business experience to solve that. So we sit down for coffee, you know, Saturday morning, Starbucks, wherever it was. And I set a list of questions. Um, she didn't know, she didn't, 
when you lead the dance, I think I was just so confident and very focused on listening and getting her to speak. She never asked me how long I'd been a consultant, uh, what, how many clients I had, none of that stuff, because it was very much just, I was driven by the questions and her, and people love to talk. People love to share. I mean, look at us right now, right? We're talking, we're sharing stories. It's, it's what makes it a huge part of social interaction. So by the, the end of me asking her these questions, she, she actually just felt better for one. She'd been able to vent and share a lot of things. It's really cool when you see that happen. And I said, I, I believe I have, you know, I, I see some things that we could definitely do. Um, and she's like, well, how much is it going to cost? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I have to run some numbers. I, I put a number out there, rookie move, put a number out there. She's like, all right, you're in. And that was my, that was literally the start of my consulting business was just this article online, making up some questions. It seemed like they were smart and uh, interviewing someone about her problems. But I get home and I'm like, okay, this is awesome. This is cool. And I'm like working on it and creating new systems. We didn't have like any framework for this. And I realized this one client is going to take up most of my month for what I just committed to. And I'm not charging nearly enough money for the amount of work I'm going to do. And that's when I realized like maybe there's a way to, to do this a little bit differently or partner up with um, someone or buy a business. I was actually looking at buying franchises at that point. There was this really cool um, franchise that was like fitness for kids. And I was really big on like fitness at that point. I still, still am a firm, you know, big advocate of health and fitness and, uh, and I still have concepts of working in underprivileged communities, things like that. Like it was just really a great thing I'd like to do. So I was talking to my friends kind of on the, the back end of the social project list um, in terms of development. But uh, that's what actually, so I, so I reached out, just, but thinking about those things, I'm like, you know, doing this on my own is not, it's not going to be super prolific. I don't really know what I'm doing. I can definitely help this person. I probably should have charged more. So all these kind of rookie things. And, uh, and I started reaching out to people. And that's, that's actually how I came across the opportunity. Um, there's a, a much longer version of that in terms of uh, my friend that I've known. And he gave me a ma- he gave me a best version media magazine that traveled, not much traveled with me all over, but this had been in my bag next to my birth certificate and some other things. And I had that with me, pulled out of my desk. And I was like, I'm going to call Brian, Brian Gilchrist. Mm-hmm. See what he's doing with this, like, what is this thing? I didn't didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It was a magazine, but um, that is what led me, led me down this path. And it's been, it's been phenomenal in terms of, you know, as a publisher, I think of the autonomy that you have when you're in that sort of a role, right? It's an independent contractor role. So it's a partnership. And what I found really great was um, this rule of uh, uh, Parkinson's law, which is a terrible name. But in the business world, it's, it's, you know, being efficient, basically, is how I look at it, like giving yourself a timer on things. Mm-hmm. And as a publisher, I, I, I really latched onto the concept of if I do things exactly how they're describing it, and I have the right perspective and understanding of why each part of this puzzle works, um, and just commit to it daily and be very disciplined, it helped me build a really incredible business really fast. And a lot of times I was done early in the day and that freedom afternoons. And I, I loved that. 
process. And that's what allowed me to actually get all things I need to get done, you know, make sales, take care of all those things and be done at 3.30 in the afternoon and take that 3.30 to 5.30 to work on other projects or do other things or um, or just shift the schedule around knowing like, all right, get X, Y, Z done. So it was a just... And you're like, you're talking about the people in the organization and, and just that. It's, it's been a massive influence on my life. And I don't know what the original question was now, but I hope that was a fun story. <laughs> that, that was incredible. Thanks a lot for sharing that. The question was just, if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? And I think you answered a part of it, which would have been like continuation of your consulting business uh, up till uh, uh, in some aspect. But uh, yeah, no, that was the question. And uh, there was just something about like, you know, knowing that you are exactly where you need to be right now. And uh, I think that is what keeps us going. And uh, while working for Best Vision Media, that is what I realized that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Even though a lot of people have said that, no, you're not. But uh, I keep saying, yes, I am. <laughs> and that's been interesting. And, uh, you know, there's been several instances where people have asked me to start doing something else because six months in the business, it's not working. But uh, one thing that I knew that, hey, this is the right thing for me to do right now. And I'm not going to stop doing it. So that was the reason why it led me into that month that I had. And uh, yeah, it worked out for me. So it's been an incredible, incredible experience for me. Well, you are, I mean, it's, it's been super fun um, just having you on the team and all of these great things. You're a really great guy. The, you know, I, I often think of uh, like my upbringing and I think a lot of people are in the same boat where like money is sort of a, a strange thing to talk about or some people go, oh, if you talk about money, like you're greedy or evil or bad or whatever. Like there's all these negative things around money. And one of the things that's transformed for me over the last couple of years is actually just the comment of, I love money. And that that's actually a, a very strong statement, it turns out. Like some people are immediately turned off by that. But when I when I say that, and it took me a while to get to that point to be comfortable talking about it and saying those things. And I think about the publisher opportunity or open a business or whatever we're doing in life, that money, the the the, the skill set to earn money to me is a lot more than just stockpiling it and having all this cash, but it it's what you can do with the money uh, in terms of helping family or purchasing time. If you, if you want to build a family and have kids and, and be able to sort of master these principles. And so that is one of my favorite things about the entrepreneurial spirit is yes, it does take a lot of work sometimes, especially when you're when you're first building something, the amount of hours sometimes you need to put into it, or sometimes you need to pull back a little bit and get, you know, so we can dive in deeper, those types of things. There's there's all sorts of, of varieties of that. But the ability to go out and not be trapped by an hourly wage that is a, a sacrifice of pure time for money where you get to have essentially these levers or these tools where you go, if I do X, Y, Z, this is the outcome. And now I can, I can do other things with that. I could, uh, there's so much opportunity out there. No, definitely. And you know, uh, when you talk about like, uh, uh, how money is the way that like, you know, you take care of people and looking at money in that perspective and asking every day, who's got my money then you need to get in front of people who got your money, right? But uh, 
actually last year after I had uh, left McDonald's and in between, I was in between some jobs and I had a ton of time for uh, with me and I developed a new habit of reading. And up until last year, you will not believe this, but I, I had never like read a whole book cover to cover, like never, ever in life. And I just started that last year. And, and uh, I know this is a very old book, but there is a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And uh, it talks a lot about how uh, you should be looking at money and your perspective, right? And not really asking yourself if I can afford it or not, but really asking how can I afford it? So that's been that's been the shift uh, for me as well ever since I read that book. And uh, it's been interesting, like, you know, even talking to some of the people uh, from back home about it. And, you know, uh, of course, they have a different and orthodox way of thinking about money. And very much like you said, you know, sometimes it's taboo to talk about it. But uh, uh, I saw that my ability to change people's perspective has been growing significantly. So I keep on... Uh, shifting those perspectives for people, whether it's like money related or whether it's life related. So it's actually quite interesting. And uh, like, you know, something that uh, you mentioned about like, you know, uh, money uh, taking care of the family. And it reminds me of this one, uh, uh, one uh, motivational speaker that I listened to back when, and I believe it was uh, 2014. Uh, funny story. I was uh, trying to prove a point. Uh, it, uh, the fact is like, you know, for international students uh, in here in Canada, uh, if the tuition fee is 15,000 for any Canadian student, then I mean, uh, if, if a fee for any Canadian student is 5,000, then for us international student is 15,000. So it's three, see, three times as, as much. And uh, I think the whole year was around $25,000-ish or maybe half of that. I don't remember, but there was a certain amount. And uh, my dad would send me some money every six months to pay the tuition fee. And then, you know, a lot of time I was reminded how I didn't know what it is like to work really hard because that is how, like, you know, my parents, they work really hard. And then uh, I almost kind of like, you know, uh, took that as a challenge. And this one summer of 2014, I was working three jobs where I was working literally 18 to 22 hours a day for five days in a week. And over weekends, I would work 14 hours instead of 22 hours. And uh, that is what I did. And uh, in, I, I believe in about a month and a half, two months-ish, or maybe a little bit more than that, I covered my whole uh, tuition fee for that one semester, which was around eight, nine grand. So like, you know, that was uh, something, a point that I wanted to prove. And uh, But uh, had somebody told me that, you know, you not always need to work hard, you need to work smart at a time as well then I would have made uh, different decisions. But uh, one thing that reminded me was like, you know, this talk by a lady by name Lisa Nichols. And uh, she's a, uh, I think she is a motivational speaker and she has some books written as well. And um, she talked about sometimes you need to like, you know, almost disconnect with your family in order to grow into a person, which will they in future, they will uh, rather like and respect more. So that has been a true thing for me because there was a point where I wasn't really getting a lot of respect. They were caring for me, but uh, caring and being respected is a two different things. And at one point, like, you know, I wasn't getting a lot of respect out of them. And then there was just a shift in my perspective about like, you know, sometimes you need to disconnect with people. And maybe I took it the wrong way and I didn't talk to my family for about two, three months. 
but uh, I just wanted to like, you know, keep working hard and prove them wrong. And uh, it's never about like, you know, proving anybody wrong. It's about proving yourself right. And yeah, so there was, that was one thing that I wanted to mention that, you know, sometimes uh, when we are trying to do certain things and we are surrounded by people who really love us and we love them and, you know, they, they give you their way of looking at life and their perspective and their, their like, you know, advice on whether you should do that or not, knowing that they have never been in that situation very much like, you know, why would you listen to somebody about making a million dollar who has never made a million dollar, Right. So it's, it was very much like that. And uh, I had to disconnect myself a little bit. And then, then I realized that, you know, just last, uh, I believe last uh, winter, when I was taking another, another online program kind of thing about social media and marketing. And uh, I learned that, you know, write down the top five or top 10 most important people in your life, and then think about how much time you're giving to them. And then that changed my perspective again on like, you know, the connection that I had with my family. So since then I've been giving them like, you know, the amount of time that, that I need to give. So, so it's been like, you know, like the journey of like, you know, not giving them any time at all. And then really realizing what I need to do and be a bit different person to then like, you know, including them in everything that I do, but just enough that it does not like, you know, make me like, you know, I would say stressed out or demotivated about things that I'm doing. So it's been interesting. Yeah. That's really special that you have been able to do that. It's it's hard for many people to do either of those things on each end of the spectrum in terms of on one side to disconnect it all from family because it's the the personal belief or the story of like, oh, this is family, like family no matter what. And I, I totally believe that. Um, I also know that the, you know, on the other side of the spectrum of, of disconnecting too far. That's not, that's not really loving them or caring as well. And, and so there is this sort of middle, middle space where, where I believe is it's kind of how I heard you describe it and where I found the most success in my own um, family relationships where sometimes you need a little bit of a break or things get to a, a tension point and it's okay to, to take some time off from family and to, give yourself perspective, allow them to get perspective and then come back to it at, at the right time. You know, as long as I think no mean things are, are said or any hurtful things like that, it's something I'm consistently talking to, you know, a couple of my sisters about in terms of, you know, other family relationships and, and just, you can love people from a distance. You can even call someone and say, Hey, uh, you know, if you're arguing with mom and dad or something, Hey mom, just want to call and say, I love you. And then mom can be mad or angry or whatever, or still has that tension. Hey, it was great talking to you for a few minutes, you know, <laughs> see you later. And then you just come back to it later when it's the right time. But it's, it's really easy for us as people to latch on to certain familiar energies. And when we, when we do, sometimes just connect like you talk about that's where a lot of growth can happen for both parties it just takes it takes a lot of strength man that's a very beautiful thing i think that's a a beautiful way for us to bring this to a close unless you had any any final thoughts no uh like uh that's actually great i haven't shared that story in a while and uh it actually uh like you know I had to like, you know, give credit to McDonald's a lot as much as I 
uh, sometimes not like to give, but, you know, conflict management has been a part of like, you know, my training with McDonald's and it actually helped me put things in perspective. And yeah, but this whole experience has been great. Thanks a lot for inviting me on your podcast. And uh, uh, it's great working with people like, you know, you and Tim and uh, like, you know, Kevin and just, uh, I know that like, you know, uh, the feeling of knowing that when you're on the right spot in, in your lifetime, it's actually great. And that's the point where you unlock your potential and do great things. So thanks a lot for being there for me while I worked on opening this one magazine in Saskatoon. And as we grow in Saskatoon in a couple of different neighborhoods as well. So just appreciate you, Matt. Hey, you are an incredible person. Real quick, I guess if, if anybody were interested, not just in, in, in Saskatoon or uh, Saskatchewan, but kind of like anywhere across North America. And after, after hearing you talk about your experience being a publisher and just who you are, if, if somebody wanted to, to reach out and, and ask you more about that, is there a way that they get a hold of you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I don't use my Instagram and Facebook a lot, but uh, I believe, uh, I, I, I think I can share my Instagram. Uh, it's at MrVic2020. So that is what, uh, that's an Instagram that I use and I haven't touched it in a while, but uh, yeah, that's one way to get hold of me or on Facebook, you can type Vic Patel. And I believe for most part of the world, the very first option people get is me. And uh, yeah, so you can also see in the description, publisher at Best Version Media, that's a way to get hold of me. And you can email me if you like to get hold of me. It's uh, bpatel at bestversionmedia.com. And I'll give all these details to Derek so he can type it in the description. Cool, man. Well, that's awesome. It has been a ton of fun. Uh, thanks for, for coming on. And man, I just... It's always a pleasure. Vic, you're a super awesome guy. You're so smart, so likable. Um, you're you're someone that's taken over the world, in my opinion. So keep up the great work and uh, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, Derek. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. All right. You too, Vic. Bye-bye. Bye. See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. <laughs> it was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Derek Podcast.